welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. California has been leading the charge against Trump administration policies, suing the federal government 38 times in the last year and a half. And the man behind those lawsuits is California Attorney General Javier Becerra. He joins us in our New York studios. Thanks so much for being here, General. June, great to be with you. Okay, so let's start with what do you see as California's role and your role during the Trump administration where the policies are an antithesis to what your state has put forth in years? And June, it's really not so much about Donald Trump. It's about California. California is 40 million people. We're the economic engine for the country. We shoved Great Britain over. We're now the fifth largest economy in the world. We need to continue to create good paying jobs to keep up. We're number one in ag, manufacturing, clean energy, entertainment, hospitality, graduates from college. So for us, it's a matter of continuing that uh, success. Anyone who wants to get in the way then gets in our cross uh, hairs because we have to continue moving forward. So it's not about Donald Trump. It's about California continuing its forward-leaning ways. But it is about Donald Trump and his policies and his efforts to try to roll back some regulations you support. You support. Well, Peter, we're going to do everything we can to continue our economic success and to continue to keep our uh, people healthy and to keep our environment clean. And anytime someone tries to get in the way, well, we're going to, we're going to be there. Well, you just you know, tweeted about, I'm sure you didn't do it yourself, but your staff tweeted uh, a few minutes ago about the, um, the latest plan of the Trump administration on uh, coal-fired power plants. Tell us what you intend to do about that and uh, what your opinion is. We are prepared to defend the standards that were in place under the Clean Power Plan. In California, we have moved forward. We're not interested in seeing 3,500 people die prematurely because we're not willing to clean our air because we're, uh, we use polluting uh, energies. And so in California, we're going to move forward. If the Trump administration tries to change that and violates the law in the process, we will sue. And there are a number of states who are ready to do that. California will be among them. What other issues are you watching in Washington that you could bring suit over? Wow. Well, we just had a great victory uh, in the last week in, on the census. We are suing the Trump administration, which is trying to def- deflate the participation by people in the census for California. Anytime someone doesn't get counted, that's a taxpayer dollar that we sent to the federal treasury that may never come back to California. So we're going to sue to make sure there's an accurate count. And the Trump administration has been undermining an accurate count. Uh, so we're suing the Trump administration there. Uh, we are ready to go to court if the Trump administration tries to change the the clean car standards that we have in place nationally, which California has led on. And so we're prepared to sue on that. And certainly we have been in the fight to make sure that children, regardless of their status, are treated like children, and they're not separated traumatically from their parents. So we've been involved in a number of things. Uh, we just recently had a victory a couple months ago against the Trump administration when uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions sued California trying to change some of our laws. Federal courts sided with California. As far as you've filed so many environmental lawsuits, and the EPA has lost three cases in just eight days over trying to roll back Obama-era regulations, are you on solid legal ground with most of your suits, or are some of them iffy? Not most of them, all of them. Um, The reason we've had such uh, a a dramatic 
set of victories against the Trump administration, especially on the environment, is because the Trump administration continues to violate its own laws. And we're here to make it clear the the rule of law applies to everyone. No one, including the guy in the White House, is above the law. Uh, your colleague in the government, um, who is the clean air regulator, um, Mary Nichols, is does seem to be trying to negotiate with the Trump administration on these emission, emission standards. Um, do you support that? Is there a compromise there somewhere? Absolutely. Uh, in every effort that we've undertaken that has ultimately led to a lawsuit against the Trump administration, we have reached out to the federal government. It is not fun to have to sue the federal government. It's a, it's a big beast, and uh, it, it's not easy to win. Uh, but we've been able to succeed because, as I said before, the Trump administration continues to break the rules. You can't change the rules by breaking the rules. Uh, but we're ready to sit down and talk at any point in time on any of these matters. And uh, Are there talks underway on any of these matters, uh, like the emissions standards? We've, we've uh, made, held ourselves open to continue those conversations. They've not been fruitful because the federal government has not been willing to really talk in ways that are meaningful about what we do on clean car standards. But I think, I believe it's been clear from the beginning that the governor, Governor Brown, uh, Mary Nichols, our head of our Air Resources Board, and, and I have been willing to sit down with the Trump administration to come up with a resolution. You were one of the first states to sue over Trump's travel ban. The Supreme Court eventually upheld that travel ban. What do you see if Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court nominee, is approved by the Senate. What do you see as his role? So uh, I think it's important to remember it took the Trump administration three times before they could get a court to agree with them that what they were trying to do in discriminating against people based on religion or origin, ethnic origin, uh, could pass muster. I still think that the court came out with a, uh, a flawed decision. Uh, but be that as it may, the court spoke. Uh, we'll move forward and we'll continue to contest where we can to try to protect people's rights. Uh, I think what we're seeing is that the Trump administration will push the envelope in ways that it knows probably violate the law. And what we're going to just simply do is uh, approach them and say, you shouldn't do that. It's just like you tell your child, don't touch the candy. You haven't had dinner. Do you worry about Kavanaugh getting on the court and, and upsetting the balance that Anthony Kennedy gave? Listen, if there's a robust process in the Senate to uh, hear about the nomination of uh, Judge uh, Justice Kavanaugh to go to the Supreme Court, I think we'll end up with a good process. If, if, there's a, if they stop us from having the information we need, then get ready. Thanks so much, Attorney General Javier Becerra. Thanks for visiting us in New York from California, where I'm sure the weather is nicer. The jury in the trial of former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort is in its fourth day of deliberations. Leaving the courthouse yesterday, defense attorney Kevin Downing said Manafort was pleased that the jury would continue its deliberations into a fourth day. Mr. Manafort's very happy to hear that. And uh, he thinks it was a very good day. As long as the jury keeps deliberating, the defendant has hope, of course, although the jury sent out a question today that might change that. Joining me is former federal prosecutor Seth Waxman, a partner at Dickinson Wright. Seth, in the first question from the jury since day one, they asked, Your Honor, if we cannot come to a consensus on a single count, how should we fill in the jury verdict form? And what does it mean for the final verdict? And they asked for a fresh verdict sheet. What's your take on that, Seth? 
Yeah, I mean, the take on uh, many people that are in the courtroom and mine is that there may be at least a verdict on one or more counts, which would obviously be a very big step uh, in the right direction for the prosecution. And the judge told them to go back and deliberate. If they come back again and say, we just can't reach a verdict on this count, is he likely to declare a mistrial on that count and throw it out? Well, so a judge will go through a process, maybe giving two or three opportunities, telling the uh, jury to continue their deliberations. Uh, It would be after two or three notes like that and the judge telling them to continue the deliberations. And if they still came back hung at that point, then there'd be a mistrial. But uh, this is the first indication of a hung jury. If they were to come back, at least on one or more counts, they were to come back with yet another note saying they're hung. My bet is that the judge would send them back at least one more time to continue their deliberations. And it would be sometime after that that a mistrial would potentially be in play. So, Seth, um, let, let's look at the, some of the other things that have been going on in this case. Um, the judge has had several private conferences with prosecutors and defense lawyers about the jury, including a two-hour meeting on August 10th, which delayed the jury trial, after which he delivered a stern warning to jurors about not discussing the case with each other or outsiders. What do you make of that? Yeah, it's not atypical that a juror may go off and look at the newspapers or speak to someone outside uh, the jury uh, pool to discuss the matter. Obviously, that would be in violation of the judge's orders. And so the judge is just reconfirming his position that, you know, jurors need to stay away from outside sources of information and wait to deliberate until they have the entire case. Obviously, the note we're getting today may subsume all of that if, in fact, the jury has reached a verdict on one or more counts. What do you think? Will the jury um, find him innocent, guilty? What? Well, so my bet is is that if if they in fact have been verdicts reached on one or more counts, that those would be guilty verdicts. Uh, It seems very difficult to believe that all 12 jurors, based on the evidence that was presented, would agree on acquittal. So to the extent there are verdicts that have in fact been reached, uh, my suspicion is is that those would be guilty verdicts. Now, that may be one count as opposed to, or, or 17 counts. We just don't know. Seth, I want to turn for a moment to George Papadopoulos. And this sort of has been, in all the rest of the news, we haven't really focused that much on it. But on Friday, the government filed a sentencing memorandum. And According to prosecutors, they said he his lack of cooperation justified a prison term. What is your what do you think the impact of that is on people looking at that or on other witnesses? Well, so that sends a message to other potential cooperators that to the extent you don't play ball with the government, in other words, be truthful at all times, that the government will pull that plea agreement and essentially find a violation and, and recommend to a judge that they face a prison term. So that's a serious consequence. And cooperators, when they sign up with the government, are very clear through the defense lawyers and uh, the government that they have to be truthful. And that is really the number one requirement of every cooperator. A wild card in all of this, in our last minute, is presidential pardons. What do you think the the president does? Yeah, that is is truly the wild card. (laughs) I don't think myself or any other former prosecutor or defense lawyer really knows how that will play if, in fact, Mr. Trump were to do something like that. Um, There's a very strong argument that issuing a pardon to someone like Paul Manafort, especially if it were after conviction, would be tantamount to obstruction of justice. But, you know, we've never as a country gone down this path where a president has, in theory, a personal stake as it relates to a pending criminal matter if Mr. Manafort does, in fact, have uh, incriminating evidence against, against Mr. Trump. So 
you know, how that plays out may ultimately be taken up in impeachment proceedings. Seth, we've run out of time. We don't have time to talk about the other wild card, which is Michael Cohen and and, uh, his alleged negotiation with prosecutors for a deal. Please come back again. That's former federal prosecutor Seth Waxman. He's a partner at Dickinson Wright. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.